You're listening to a message from Micaiah Ermler, lead pastor of Southridge Church in San Jose, California. We're so living in the future that God's saying, hey, what about the here and now? What about helping those around you? What about telling your neighbor about Jesus? What about helping your neighbor change their flat tire, helping them with their child care, helping them just serving one another? Sometimes we're just like, well, no, 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 I just got to study Revelation, just know about the end things. And, and we're no earthly good. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we hope you will stay connected with Southridge by liking us on Facebook or by following us on Instagram and Twitter. Search for the handle at Southridge Now and click the follow button so you can receive uplifting, encouraging content right in your feed. Thanks again for listening. And now, here is Pastor Micaiah. Good to see you as we are now in the middle of summer, tail end of it actually, and uh, in three weeks my kids go back to school. Man, it's an exciting time. Can't wait. It's going to be awesome. And not that I don't love my children, it's just that I love dropping them off at school for eight hours every day. And uh, so it's been a good summer. I'm glad that you are here. We are in uh, the tail end of our series at the movies. And we've had a lot of great things happening this past week. All the ladies went on a great activity. They had a really good time. They they all jumped on a on a bus and 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 showed up at people's houses and ate food. I was like, that's just sounds like the best thing in the world. You know what I mean? That's just like excellent. So they had a great time with that. And uh, then this Saturday, the guys felt neglected. So this Saturday, all the guys, there's a men's breakfast, and it's going to be hosted at Scott Amick's uh, house. If you need more details, see an usher, or uh, you can go to the guest center. We'll give you more information. Information on that, or you can uh, follow our church on uh, Facebook, and we'll put the details on there. And I'm sure he doesn't mind we giving out his address to our uh, thousand plus contacts in our database. I'm sure people would love to know where he lives, but no, no, no. So you have to message us for the exact address, but we'll get all the details on there. Hopefully, you can make plans to be there this Saturday. Just have a great time together. Well, next week we'll be concluding our series at the movies, and we're going to be looking at the new movie, The Lion King, and. Uh, so you want to come back next week as we wrap that one up. And uh, how many of you, you're disappointed in the fact that they are now making these live action remakes. You prefer keeping your childhood intact and you like the cartoon. Can I see your hands? Anybody? Oh, there's a few Puritans in the room. All right. Now I heard very disturbing news, very disturbing news. You say, what is that disturbing news? The new live action remake of Mulan will have no music. Oh, what's the point, right? Like, like, why? Just why, you know? So, and, uh, and then our worship pastor also said, and Eddie Murphy's not even going to be in it. And I was like, oh, well, forget it then. I'm definitely not going to go watch it, all right? He's what made that movie. And uh, so, uh, but come back next week. It'll be a great opportunity to invite friends and family. And where this will be the last week, where we'll be giving out movie tickets. And so invite them. Because you say, why? Why are we trying to do this? Because we're called to be a church that invites people to a relationship with Jesus. And that's what's so important. I hear people say this all the time. I just want to go to a church where I know everybody. And I, and I like the sentiment. I really appreciate it. But that's not the goal why Jesus started the church. The church was not started so that you and I would know everybody. It's so that everybody would know Jesus. 
Can we just say an amen right there? You see, that's the goal of church. It's not that you and I know everybody. It's that everybody would know Jesus. There's four books in the New Testament. They're called the four gospels, and it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all end with the exact same command. You say, what is that command? To go into all the world and to preach the gospel. You say, well, well, I don't have a mic. I don't have a church. I don't have a stage where I can preach. No, no. He is commanding and challenging you and I to share our faith. Some people call it that blessed hope. It's that hope that we have inside of us that Jesus he died on a cross for our sins and uh, he arose again the third day and he lives eternally and he wants to give you and I a new life and so that's the hope and that's the message and that's why our mission statement is that we exist to lead people to find and follow Jesus and so we want to lead San Jose to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ that's our goal so when we do series like this it's a great outreach opportunity it's an opportunity for you and I to invite people into a relationship with Jesus. And it's a great opportunity. I was sharing uh, earlier that uh, I just got in this habit. I'm just inviting people to church, just wherever I'm at. I'll be at a restaurant. Hey, how are you doing? And just strike up a conversation with them. You know, you're just wherever you are. Uh, our new office, we have a, a shared like restroom area in, in the lobby. And I was talking to somebody in the restroom. Now, no, I was not at the stall, okay? There's an unspoken rule among dudes. If you're there handling your business, you don't talk to them, all right? You don't do any of these. You definitely don't. don't you just don't, all right? And there's, you wait till you're washing your hands. Now, if you use the restroom, you don't wash your hands, please start washing your hands. Jesus loves people who, after they use the restroom, wash their hands, okay? All right? So it's, it's in the second book of Micaiah, chapter 5, okay? You can find it. It's there, all right? And uh, that's why whenever I leave the restroom, I taught my kids, grab an extra paper towel with you. And use a paper towel to open the door because I've seen way too many people. And they don't wash their hands and they grab that door. No, no, thank you. Not today, Satan, you know, and uh, just one of those. All right. So but you and I, we can be busy about telling people about Jesus Christ and sharing what we know, how he's changed our life. And so that is the goal of Southridge Church. We want everyone to experience new life in Christ. Well, we're talking about experiences, right? Well, Today, we all will encounter throughout our lifetime what I would call life-changing experiences. Life-changing experiences. You say, what is a life-changing experience? It'd be the day you got your driver's license. I don't know about you, but that was just a, a life-changing experience. You look over and mom or dad, or if you had older siblings, they're not there in the car with you. You are now free on your own. And man, it was just like, what are you going to do with all that freedom? You didn't know, but you had that freedom. You know, you could just go life-changing experience. Your first relationship, the first time you fell into puppy love, life-changing experience, right? Uh, you get into the college of your dreams. You start your company. You get into that, 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 that promotion. You get that job. Life-changing experience. You're there for uh, you, the, the birth of your firstborn, you know, life-changing experience. You know, they're just all kinds of life-changing experiences, positive and negative. But along with life-changing experiences, there are experiences that will change your life. And there are also experiences that will change the world. Say, what do you mean world-changing experiences? Uh, the Internet was a world-changing experience. Changed everything, didn't it? The invention of the Internet. Some of us, we remember dial-up. 
You remember that sound? You're waiting for it. You're like, yes, you know? And then somebody's yelling, I can't make a phone call. Who's on the internet? You're like, wait, it's going to take another 30 minutes, you know? And you're just waiting for that, that dialing up noise. You know, you hear your computer just slowly as you're getting onto the interwebs, you know? Game changing, you know? And you got that AOL disc for 10 free hours. You're like, yes, I don't know what I'm going to do with 10 whole hours. Like, that's so much time. Now you spend 10 whole hours on your phone every day. They say the average person spends over 10 hours a day on their phone. You know, back then we were like 10 hours a whole month. I'm, I, there's no way I'm going to spend 10 hours on my computer. I'm going to go outside. It's a beautiful day. Who would ever, you know, nowadays we're like the sun, it's so bright, you know, and, uh, but times have changed, game changing. We moved from horse and buggy. I worked at a small church in Boron, California, and there was an elderly lady in the church, sweetest lady. She wanted to take us out to lunch. So we got to lunch, and I, I, I like to hear people's story. And I said, hey, where are you from? She said, I'm from Oklahoma. She actually said, I'm from Oklahoma, you know. And uh, she said, I came out here in a covered wagon. I said, you didn't. She said, I did. I said, how old are you? <laughs> wow. You're as old as Mike Wallace. That's great, man. Just an old person. Just old. Old. And... Uh, Man, she was telling me how she came out to California in a covered wagon, y'all, from Oklahoma. Like, that's just, just, and she said it was game-changing when she saw a car. Said it was just, just game-changing. Uh, we've seen the modern inventions of technology just explode. They're game-changing, right? There are things that change our life, and there are things that change the world or world-changing experiences. There are more world-changing experiences yet to come. You say, what do you mean? Uh, for instance, the apocalypse. All of a sudden, you're like, what? I thought that's a movie. I thought that's just on a made-up TV show. No. Second coming of Christ. The rapture. One world government. 666. These will be world-changing events that the Bible talks about. But, I, but maybe you're like me, and sometimes we don't like to talk about the book of Revelation. And we like to call it the book of Revelations. And it's not Revelations, it's Revelation, all right? Don't add the S on there, you know? And uh, uh, we, we, we see that book, we're like, oh, man, that book's got, got crazy stuff. I mean, uh, demons from different dimensions and, and, and bugs stinging people and, 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 and weird animals. You watch Stranger Things, what are you afraid of? Like, stop it, you know? Like, <laughs> you watch The Walking Dead and you're worried about the book of Revelation? No, 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 no. You see, we're afraid of these things that we shouldn't be. You say, why? Because you and I, we have something called the Blessed Hope. So today, what I want to do is we dive into this uh, part of our series. I want to look at Marvel's Endgame, and I want to talk about the end times. Can we do that? Can we talk about the end times for just a little bit? I'm working on a whole series that I'm going to do, but this will be fun. This will be fun for some of us Bible nerds. All right. Now, some of you may be like, you know what? I'm still exploring this Christian thing. You know what? I want you to know what we have to look forward to. You say, well, that the apocalypse, all the plagues, and the, the seven seals, seven trumpets. That doesn't sound like anything to look forward to. No, no. There is a hope. You see. I believe that Jesus is going to rapture out the church. You say, what do you mean the rapture of the church? I'm going to explain. I'm going to talk about it. We're going to be raptured. You see, scholars uh, and, and Pew Research estimate that there are 2.2 billion Christians out of 8 billion people. 2.2 billion Christians. So one, and then let's just take that number and say how many are actually professing, right? There are some people that call themselves Christians, and you're like, uh, please don't do that. You know, you, you just give us all a bad name, all right? Just, just, just don't, all right? So let's just say at least half are actually 
true Christians. Not just they say they're Christians, they're just real Christians, right? Just imagine for a second. Just imagine if one billion people, that's one out of every seven people just disappeared. Just gone. Just imagine the chaos that would happen. Just imagine all this stuff. And Marvel's Endgame kind of gave me a really good clip for this. So let's go ahead and show this clip. I think it kind of summarizes a little of what might happen. So let's turn our attention towards the screen just for a moment. We're watching every satellite on both hemispheres, but still nothing. What is it? Multiple bogeys over Wakanda. Same energy signature as New York? Ten times bigger. Tell Klein, we'll meet him at... Wait, wait. Snapshot, and just imagine, over one billion Christians are suddenly gone, just gone. You say, what could possibly happen? Imagine all the airplanes in the sky, all of a sudden, people just gone, pilots gone. Imagine cars that are now unmanned. Imagine the work that needs to get done, and it just doesn't get done. Uh, just shops that just cease, heavy equipment just ceases. You go to police stations and, and, and police force gone. Go to hospitals. People are gone. Imagine the chaos that's going to break out. Imagine the just utter pandemonium that'll just break out. Imagine governments just kind of toppling. And imagine White House just crumbling and all the Congress. Just, what are we talking about? Hey, Christians, they're going to be fine. They'd be like, everybody here? Yeah, we're all here, you know? And, uh, oh, that was mean. That was mean. Yeah, that was mean. No, no, no. I'm sure there's a few. And uh, they're in White House in Washington. But just imagine all of a sudden people just, just missing. And people looking for, where, where do people go? Where are these people? And it's called the rapture or what um, the Bible calls the great catching away. And we're going to look at that today. Because I want to take a little bit of time because Jesus talked about what was going to happen at the end. And too often we are nervous, we're scared to talk about the end when Jesus calls it our blessed hope. When Jesus says, no, 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 I'm coming for the church. I'm coming to take you home. But yet I've still got to judge the world. But yet it's for a purpose. And I want us to look at it today. 
So if you have a copy of God's word, would you go to the New Testament book of 2 Peter? It's towards the very end of your Bible. If you go to the very last book, Revelation, and then just kind of turn back a few pages, you're going to find it. You'll find 2 Peter. And I want to look at just what this aged apostle has to say towards the end of his life and the end of his ministry as he kind of repeats some things. And so let's just look at a few verses, and let's just kind of sit back a little bit today, and let's just kind of dive into the word of God. And if you're sitting here and you're a Christian, I want you to be filled with hope and expectation and know what is coming. And if you're sitting here and you're saying, man, I'm getting anxiety, I'm getting nervous, you shouldn't. And if you're saying, I don't know about Jesus, well, guess what? We want you to have a relationship with Jesus. We want you to know him. And it's not just for this life, but also for the next life. And so let's dive in this morning as we kind of look at what's going to happen when the end of days comes. Here's what the Bible says. This is the second letter to you, dear friends. And in both of them, I have tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. I want you to remember what the Holy Prophet said long ago and what our Lord and Savior commanded through your apostles. So he's basically saying, hey, guess what? I want to bring some things back up that you guys need to remember. He's kind of talking to another church, and he's saying, guess what, guys? Hey, I need, I need, to, I need to talk to you kind of like a teacher would. He says, hey, I want to bring back some things that we need to remember. And so he even says, hey, the prophets of old talked about this, and guess what? Even Jesus talked about it. Jesus talked about the end times. Jesus talked about it in what we would call his Olivet Discourse, Matthew chapter number 24 and 25. He teaches at the end of his ministry, and we're going to look at it. You see it again in the book of Luke. You see in uh, Paul talked about it in 1 Corinthians. You see over and over, you'll see mentions of what we have to look forward to. And I'm going to say look forward to because we as the church of God, we have a great moment here. We have a great opportunity, and we shouldn't look at a book of like Revelation and be intimidated by it. Man, we should open it up and say, guess what? I know what's going to happen. I've read the end. I'm ready for it. Now I can get busy telling other people about it. So let's continue reading. Verse number three, most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come, mocking the truth and following their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? We're talking about the second coming. He's saying there are people that they're mocking that. Man, you guys look for a second coming. And even today, uh, if you were to talk to a person who follows a Jewish line of religion, they don't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. So they don't believe in a second coming because they don't believe he's come the first time. They're still waiting for him. They're still waiting for Jesus. If you talk to a Muslim, they're still waiting for him. Matter of fact, it talks about Jesus coming through the Western Gate. So you know what the Muslims did? They sealed up the gate, and then they put a graveyard in front of it because they know Orthodox Jews won't walk through a graveyard. Very fascinating stuff. Man, I'm going to geek out on this stuff, so you've got to come back when we do this series. I, there's just so much. It's so fun, and, 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 it's, and I think it's really going to inform our faith because if we don't know what God is calling us and what, what he talks about at the end, then how can it inform our future? I don't know about you, but uh, I lived in Madeira for a while, and my parents bought a, a few acres of land, and they had a very long driveway, and you could kind of see them coming for a ways off. So they would leave uh, my siblings and I at home, and they would go somewhere. And they would always leave us a list of chores. How many of you, your parents would leave, and they would leave you a list of chores, right? I think everybody in this room should raise their hand because we all had a list of chores, and parents would leave. And you had this list. Now, how many were like me, and you played video games, you watched TV, or you beat up your brothers and sisters or teased them the whole time? Mm-hmm, yep, mm-hmm, bunch of sinners in here. All right, excellent. All right, so that's what I would do. But then you would hear on the driveway the car coming. So then what would you do in two minutes? 
You would get that chores like, all right, you vacuum, you change the diaper, you clean your room, you start dinner, you do this, and then you're giving to this order. Man, everybody's just busy. And then you're opening up a closet door, you're just stuffing stuff in there, you know, and praying that mom or dad doesn't open it because they're going to die of an avalanche of toys, right? And you're busy the last minute. Some people have wisely said if it wasn't for the last minute, nothing would ever get done. Isn't it amazing you're the most productive before you go on vacation? You're like, man, I feel so good this week. I'm getting so much done because you know you're going to be gone, so you got to get all this stuff done, right? But I'm afraid the church is so much like that. We just kind of take it easy. Let's just rest, relax. Who's in a hurry? And instead of being busy about our father's business, instead of saying, no, I I have a job to do. So Peter is reminding the church at the end of his life, guess what, guys? There's a second coming. And then he even says, hey, there are some people that are going to scoff and mock. And I'll I'll break down that word scoff in a little bit. But then he said, there are people that they are going to mock you that you believe in a second coming. So he says, from before, and he brought the earth out of from the water and surrounded it with water. Oh, excuse me, verse number five. They deliberately forget that God made the heavens long ago by the word of his command. And he brought the earth out of the water and surrounded it with water. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. He's going back to Genesis. And we're going to study that out. Now, verse number seven. By the same word in present heavens and earth would be stored up for fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord really isn't being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. Because he does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire. And the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live. Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. Do you catch it? He says, look forward to this day. This is our glorious hope. You see, understand that this world does not operate as it should. Disease, sickness, wars, earthquakes, famine, fires, all of this. God never intended any of it. Never intended it. Those are just the signs that we live in a broken and sinful world. And God says, don't worry, I'm going to make it new. I'm going to not only make the world, the heavens and the earth new, I'm going to make your bodies new. You see, God intended our bodies to live forever. God intended us to have perfect bodies. Some of you are like, well, what's, what's wrong with my body now? I already kind of like my body. I think it's a good body. Now, just wait until we age a little bit. And all of a sudden, my body's breaking. I'm only 35, and, and some mornings I, I got bad knees, and this snap, crackle, pop, you know, in the mornings. You know, you're like, wow, man, I, I'm starting to feel it, you know. And uh, even just picking up Cain. Now, Cain is an unusually large boy, and, uh, but, I mean, still, some days you pick him up. I'm like, oh, nope, too fast. Got to stretch out before I pick you up, you know. And uh, uh, God has said, hey, I'm going to do a new heaven, new earth, but you're going to get a, what we call a glorified body. It's a, it's a body that does not know disease, does not know sickness, And some of us might think, oh, this sounds too good to be true. That's just kind of a pipe dream, right? No, I want to go through the Bible in a series. And I really want to dive in. I want to show you from God's word why we come to these conclusions. Verse number 11. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, we should live holy and godly lives. Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying along. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away with flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and earth he has promised. A world filled with God's righteousness. And so, dear friends... 
while you were waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. And remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. This is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you with, what, with the wisdom God gave him. He sums it up, doesn't he? He's saying, hey, there, there's coming an end. There was a guy, his name was Harold Camping. He's from uh, Oakland, and uh, he was on the radio for a very long time. Any of you ever heard of Harold Camping out there? He would always make these predictions about when God was going to come. And uh, he made a prediction that in 1994, God's going to come. Time came and went. His most recent and last one was uh, May 21st, 2011. You may have seen a bunch of billboards here in the Bay Area. You may have even seen RVs all over the country sighted at the end of the world. And he gathered his followers in Times Square to wait because he said, I know the time Jesus is coming, I know the day Jesus is coming, and I know the hour. But here's the thing. Anytime anybody says that they know the time, understand they are what I would call a false teacher, a false prophet, trying to lead people astray. Because in 2007, his ministry brought in $19 million because he told everybody, Jesus is coming again, so sell everything you have and give it to me. He did. He made $72 billion, a million dollars, not billion, $72 million with that whole scheme because people fall for it. But we shouldn't be ignorant. We shouldn't be deceived. We shouldn't be ignorant. Those things should make us upset that somebody would twist and pervert God's word to their own ends and means. That should, that should, that should make us angry. That should be something where we get indignant. That's where Jesus would see somebody at the temple courts because in the temple courts he'd throw over the money tables. Why? Because you, the priest, needed to get a system how to fund the church. And instead of relying on the tithes and offerings of God's people and their generosity, instead they would say, hey, guess what? you got to buy sacrifices. But guess what? We're going to do an exchange rate. Whenever I travel to different countries, I have to exchange my money. And at certain places the exchange rate is bad. So you have to look for a place where you can get a better exchange rate. Well, what they would do is these people would walk into the temple. They'd say, hey, we have our own coin that we mint here, so you got to exchange it, and it's a two-to-one, so you got to pay two for every one you get. So the, the, the temple got greedy, and Jesus hated that greed. He hated how they, they were using religion to manipulate God's people, and today we see that all over. People manipulating religion to lead people astray, and you'll see it all over. And so this is why our church isn't for religion. We're for a relationship with God. We are beyond that. We're, we're not into that. We're into, hey, how's your relationship with Jesus? Jesus isn't asking anything from you. It's what he wants for you. He wants you to have a new life in Christ. And so you have people that may get up and say, I know when Jesus is coming back. But scripture plainly says, no man knows the hour. Now, it does say, be watchful. It does say, hey, there are some signs pointing so some of us, we look at the signs in 1942 when you see Israel becoming a country. There's a sign. We're getting closer. The day is soon at hand. Even some pastors even say that some of you, you won't sleep as others sleep, meaning death. Some of us may live to see the rapture. You may never experience that doorway of death. You may never have to. You may just be raptured up in a blink of an eye. All of a sudden, you get up to heaven, you look down, you got six-pack. You're going to think, man, I'm Captain America here. Look at this glorified body. That's what I'm talking about. Man, that's what I'm talking about. You see, it, it just changed in a, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. But here's what happens now while we wait in the in-between. Because some days we can get discouraged. Some days we can get depressed. And we, can, we, can, we look at these things and we say, well, well, where is the promise of his coming? Because Jesus said, I will come again. He, he promised it. Before he left his disciples, he said, don't worry, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. That's John 14. 
And so as we watch these signs, Peter and other preachers of the Bible, they lead us to say, hey, be careful. You say, well, what do we do? What is, with, with all that's going to happen, with what's called the Great Tribulation, which is going to be a seven-year period, which the first three and a half years are going to be kind of normal, kind of good. You're going to have the rapture. Anywhere from 1 billion to 2 billion people will estimate it probably be raptured. If, if our population stays about its current, you'll see about that many people raptured. Now, you would think that people would say, oh, I, I know why they're raptured. I, I, I know what happened, but governments are going to look for an answer, and they're going to find what we'll call a false savior. And there's going to be a character that's going to be introduced on the scene of history. And this is a character we call the Antichrist. Now, some of us, when we hear the Antichrist, we're like, oh, my goodness, this is, this, is, this is like way out there. The Bible's way out there. This is why I don't get into all the Bible stuff, just kind of keep it. But no, 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 this is just what's going to happen. You and I, we don't have to be worried about this, but we should know about this. And the Bible talks about that they're gonna, people that are left behind are going to believe a strong delusion. They're going to believe a lie. And then you're going to have three and a half years of peace and prosperity, but then the end is when you're going to have the seven seals are going to be open. We're going to look at the book of Revelation and look at that. For 42 months, you're going to see all of earth straining and cracking under the judgment of God. 42 months. It's interesting that the tribulation will last 42 months. During World War II, there was a horrific event where 2 million Jews were exterminated in a prison called Auschwitz and through Hitler's reign. The tribulation was 42 months. That prison was open exactly 42 months. And imagine all the atrocities that happened at Auschwitz. Horrible, horrible atrocities. You can read books and you can look at stories of people that were there and that experienced this horrific event. As families were ripped away, as people were lied to, as uh, they, they were forced to endorse such horrible things. I listened to a podcast of one woman and she just wrote her, her biography of the event where how she was at Auschwitz. And how she got there immediately, she was separated from parents, and she was told, your parents are going to take a shower. And later she was told that uh, what the shower means is really where they were executed. And then, uh, she was, since she was a ballet dancer, she was forced to dance in front of the, 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 the commanding officer for Auschwitz. And she thought, this is just horrible. But she knew, my life would be over if I don't. But how could, after just learning your parents died, what atrocities, right? But just imagine, that pales in comparison to what's going to happen in the tribulation. It's going to pale in comparison. But here's the thing. You and I, we don't have to be worried about those things. But here's what we need to do about those things. You see, in that passage, it said there will be some scoffers. What's a scoffer? It's people that don't believe. You see, there are some people out there, they're going to diss it. When you talk about second coming, when you talk about the end of days, they're going to diss it. They're going to diss it. Ah, that's what a scoffer does. Ah, you Christians, you believe that crazy stuff. You're way out there, man. You guys are extreme, man. That's just crazy. You guys are just way out there. But Hollywood's obsessed with it. All the big TV shows get it. Some of our favorite novels and books, uh, they all get it. I mean, uh, we, 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 we buy these movies. Uh, even Marvel's banking millions of dollars off of the end time. So you see, it's popular in culture to talk about end times. You see these dystopian things, and many of us, we, we, we're curious to know. There is a, a curiosity about what's going to happen at the end. But we don't have to be curious. We can know. That's what's so amazing. We can read to the, we can skip to the end. But there are those people out there that they will diss it. But I want you to know something. There's always been people throughout time that have laughed and mocked. The Bible talks about in Genesis when Noah was building the ark. 
And people came, Noah, what are you building? I'm building an ark. God's going to destroy the, the earth with a flood. The Bible says they scoffed and they laughed. And the only people that believed was just him and his family. Eight people, that's it. The Bible says he preached for 100 years and only eight people were saved on the ark. See, there's always been scoffers. There's always people that are just mocking Christianity. There's always been those people that said, oh, we don't believe. So we don't have to worry about the people that say, oh, we diss it. And we don't get an attitude like we're better. No, that's not it. So there are those people that they diss it. Then there's other people, they dismiss it. Verse number five, it says, you deliberately forget. You see, there are some people in this room maybe that just dismiss it. I don't want to think about that. But if we don't know what's going to happen at the end, that informs how I should behave now. If I understand that Jesus is coming again soon, guess what? That should inform my behavior. That guess what? He's coming again soon. I should be busy with the, what he's called me to do. Do you remember how we started this series? Find your people. You will find your purpose. We should be busy helping the people we're called to help and to minister to, fulfilling the purpose that we have. We're given so much time. But too often we take the time that we're given and we just waste it. We squander it. Instead about being busy about our Father's work or that he's called us to. So don't diss it. Don't dismiss it. Then there's some, they completely just doubt it. You say, why? Verse number nine says, the Lord really isn't being slow about his promise. You see, God made a promise. You see, Jesus, God doesn't speculate. He gives us not speculation, but a revelation. What is a revelation? It's just the revealed truth. It's just revealing to us when, when these, these things, how we're going to know these things are going to come to pass. And we can just kind of look at these events coming together. And we know that, wait, God is preparing something. So we don't have to doubt it. Why would we doubt? Because we feel like it's taking too long. And sometimes we can just sit there and think, man, it's just taking so long. Maybe they're never coming back. But I'm here to tell you they are. I was studying a little bit on history, and I enjoy history to a certain degree. And I just remember uh, reading the story about how uh, General MacArthur, as he left the Philippines, he said, I shall return. And two and a half years later, he came back, and everybody in the Philippines celebrated and rejoiced as he freed the, the country. And he made a promise. That was a human promise. Here, God, he makes a promise. He says, I am coming back to you. And when God makes a promise, he keeps his promises. He keeps them for us. So you and I, we know that, okay, if he made a promise, and guess what? He is coming again. And if he is coming again, am I going to be ready? Am I going to be ready? Am I going to be living a life that's worthy? I was talking to another Christian yesterday, and they shared. They said, you know what? Uh, the longer you're a Jesus follower, there should be some things in your life just naturally changing and get better. You should be growing. And we both had young kids, and he said, hey, there should be a point. When my little boy stops soiling his diaper and doesn't like a soiled diaper, there should be a point when that happens. There should be a point where we no longer like to live in the mess we're living in. There should just come a point as we continue following Jesus, he's changing our desires and our appetites because we say, wait, hey, the day is approaching. And as this day is approaching that Jesus is coming back, guess what? I need to be busy. I need to be living a life that would please him. So that when he comes back, he'll say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. You see, there is that expectation. If Jesus is coming back, I need to be living a life that reflects him. So I don't need to diss it. I don't need to dismiss it. I don't need to doubt it. And the other thing, though, and this is where sometimes we get busy as Jesus followers. We start to just debate it. You say, what do you mean debate it? We just get busy talking about it. And I, and I get it. I think we should know. But then there are people that debate things. You say, what do you mean? There are so many schools of thought about the end times. You see, I take a pre-tribulation uh, uh, view where the church will be raptured up. There's some people that believe like, hey, no, right in the middle, we're, we're mid-trib. That's where we're going to get raptured up, right in the middle of it. And then there's some that they're post. They're post. 
And then no, at the end, the church is going to live through it. Whoever makes it, then you're going to be raptured. And so there's all different views. There's different schools of thought. And we get busy, busy debating it. And some Christians get in that. But here's the thing. God wants it to inform our present behavior, not for us to get so tied up debating it and getting into these little things that we miss that, wait a minute, this is supposed to inform our behavior, that there should be some urgency about the work of God, that you and I, we should be busy doing what God wants us to do. So sometimes we get busy debating it, and sometimes we can get obsessed with the future things that we forget the practical things. We're so living in the future that God's saying, hey, what about the here and now? What about helping those around you? What about telling your neighbor about Jesus? What about helping your neighbor change their flat tire, helping them with their child care, helping them just serving one another? Sometimes we're just like, well, no, 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 I just got to study Revelation, just know about the end things. And, and we're no earthly good. No, we're supposed to be salt and light here and now. Light helps, it does something. Salt does something. What do we do? Are we just a bump on a log? Just kind of waiting? Just like, oh, I'm just waiting, and I got all my cool views. I've met people that they, I can go to their house, and they've been Christian for 50, 60 years, and they'll pull out all these graphs and books. And I'm like, that's cool. Who have you told about this? Well, nobody. I just, I just sit here and study. No, no. This information is valuable information, but how is it informing your lifestyle? How is it changing you? I mean, once we, if, if you were constantly in debt, constantly in debt, constantly in debt, and somebody shows you a program how to get out of debt and how to save money and build for retirement and have savings and have something left over for your family, wouldn't that help you? So yeah, it would help you. So let that information inform your lifestyle. Let the word of God and the information that's here inform your behavior so that you and I, we're not dissing it as the scoffers. We're not dismissing it. We're not doubting it. And we're not so busy debating it that we miss out what God wants for us. You see, in scripture, here's what God really wants us to be doing. Don't look for the signs. Listen for the sound. Don't look for the sign. Listen for the sound. It gives me an expectation that Jesus is coming back. And if he's coming back, I'm going to be looking for that with expectancy. The Bible says he's a thief as a night. Imagine you get an anonymous phone call. Ever got one of those that says unknown number? And you probably don't answer those, but let's say you answered it. And the person says, hello. And they say your name. You're like, oh, they know me. And then they say, do you live at such and such an address? You're like, well, that's kind of scary. Uh, maybe. Why? Who wants to know? I'm a robber. I'm trying to schedule your robbery. You're like, do I know you? No, I'm the robber. You've seen me on next door. I've been robbing the house in your neighborhood and you're next. I got to schedule the appointment. Come on, let's schedule this. I want to be there between 2 a.m. and 3 a.m. And you're like, well, he's very precise. <laughs> it's better than AT&T. <laughs> you know, they're like, hey, I want you to be here from Monday to Friday. <laughs> we'll show up. You're like, what? My whole week? No, a robber wouldn't do that. They're just going to show up, right? The Bible says Jesus is coming as a thief in the night. Suddenly, unexpectedly. But my fear is that the church is just kind of resting on its laurels, kind of leaning back, kind of living like we got all the time in the world. And instead of understanding the urgency of the hour, that we are an evangelistic church, that the church is called to go make a difference. There are world-changing events on the horizon. But while we wait for those, we should be changing the world. Amen? Oh, that was really weak. Really weak. I know it's the middle of summer. While we are waiting on these world-changing events, we should be busy changing the world. Yeah, that's what we're called to do. You say, well, look at us. We're not, we're not the biggest thing. I'm looking at the church 
that raised thirty-four thousand dollars to host forty-five hundred people. I'm looking at the church that says there is nothing too big for us and our God. I'm looking at the group of people that said nothing can stop us. I'm looking at the church that is so resilient to setback and obstacles that we now see it. The obstacles is just an opportunity for God to get glory out of our story. I'm looking at the church that knows that we are fearless, that know that God has called us. I'm looking at the church who is now saying, hey, we are poised to do something that everybody else says, how did you do that? You are underfunded, you are under-resourced, you are understaffed. And we just say, yeah, but we're also under God's power. And when we have his power, we can do the impossible. There is an urgency and there should be an urgency about our church that we say, you know what? The time is short. I got to tell as many people about Jesus in the shortest amount of time. And our church needs to come into a season where we lean into this. Where we say we need to be busy about telling people about Jesus. That Jesus offers the free gift of salvation. He died on a cross for your sin. It's sin that broke this world, but God is going to restore it and build a new world. That's what God wants. And in this passage, it's how he ends it. And so he wants us to not diss it. He wants us not to dismiss it, not to doubt it, not to debate it. But he wants us to declare that Jesus is coming again. That is coming back for you and for me. And so we are called in this hour, in this moment, because we don't know the hour when he's coming back. So guess what? We got to be ready, church. We got to say, you know what I got today? Who am I going to tell today? On your seat or near your seat is what I call a connection card, a gib envelope, and a pen. And we've added another thing. We've added an outreach card. And I believe every person needs to grab one. If there's one near you, you grab it right now, please. Look for one. This right here is a tool for you to make change in the world. You say, what? This little piece of paper? That little piece of paper. God can use that little piece of paper as you talk to somebody and say, guess what? God loves you and Southridge loves you. Come to a place where, guess what? We don't want you just to meet people. We want you to meet Jesus. And Jesus can change your life. And you can use that card to start the conversation. You say, I'm shy and I'm backwards and it's hard for me to talk to people. Well, guess what? Just stick it in their face and run. If that's all you can do, then you have no idea how God will use that to change somebody's life because Jesus is coming again. And you can say, you know, I can invite somebody to church because at that church, they will tell people how they can know about Jesus. Many of you, your life was transformed at this very church. And this church is, in, is busy helping others transform the lives of others. And we need to lean into that calling that God has given us, that we are an evangelistic church. You say, what do you mean an evangelistic church? That means we get the gospel to everybody, every day, all the time. We're just busy telling people about Jesus. Tell them that he loves them. Tell them that he's here for them. The lost, the hurting, the broken, the down and out, the up and out. That's what we're called to do. So a message like this shouldn't depress us, shouldn't discourage us. It should help us to get busy telling people about Jesus. You see, the time is short. Romans 13, he says, this is all the more urgent for you know how late it is. The time is running out. Wake up for our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. He's saying, hey, the apostle Paul was telling the church, hey, wake up. I was at the hospital visiting with a family who almost lost their son this week. And as we were leaving the hospital, he said, hey, I had a vision about you, a dream about you. I don't know, I don't know if it's pizza, I don't know if it's burrito, I don't know what it is, but I just had this dream 
And we were in this red pickup truck. He said, I don't know. I don't know what it is. And you were in the driver's seat and you fell asleep. And I was like, oh no. That, that sounds like that could really happen. I've been pretty tired lately. He said, I don't know if it means anything. It's probably nothing. It's probably nothing. And then I thought about that verse, wake up. We can't be asleep at the wheel. And some of us, our lives, our Christian lives are on autopilot. We act like Jesus ain't coming. Can I tell you, my parents would leave on their little date nights and they always came back. And the times when we didn't hear or we weren't listening for their return, we always got busted. Oh, we didn't do it. Now we're grounded. Oh, you're taking away our TV. You're taking away our Nintendo. Oh, man. Worse than that, we felt disappointment and shame. I don't want anybody to feel disappointed because we knew better. We knew our parents were coming back. But we had the music cranked up too loud. The TV cranked up too loud. Our life was living it too loud. We couldn't hear the sound. Jesus said, guess what? Don't look for a sign. Listen for a sound. When you hear the trumpet sound, I'm coming back. The voice of God. He's going to call us home. Out of this broken world. But while we wait for that, we're busy here. We live in the messy middle right now. Now we need to be busy, church. We need to be busy. We hope you were encouraged by today's message from Pastor Micaiah. If it was a blessing to you, don't forget to share it with a friend or family member this week. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them. Get in touch with us by visiting SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect. Again, that's SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect.